Um, like Sister said, my name's Nick. I, uh, I work in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois. Um, sub Rockford. Uh, happy birthday, Maria. I hope you have a good day. Um, hey, uh, it's awesome to be here, you guys. Uh, it's amazing to be able to travel around, experience different things, proclaiming the gospel, meeting new people. Um, just last night... I experienced something here that I've never experienced anywhere else. I guess it's a delicacy of St. Louis, like buttery, uh, butter gooey, gooey butt cake. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? Gooey, buttery gooey cake thing. It was phenomenal. Um, so thank you, St. Louis, for your contributions to the world. I love it. I love it here. Um, now let me let me let me repay the favor because I'm not sure how many of you guys have heard of this, but I was actually at another site a few weeks ago up in Canada, and they introduced me to something um, called all dressed potato chips. Have you guys tried these things? Like, okay, here let me explain this real quick. You, you're gonna see where I'm going in a second, but if you're like a salty kind of savory type of guy, like there's these chips called all dressed potato chips. You can get them in the states. If you if you look at the picture, it says that they're Canada's number one potato chip. And here's the thing: I don't know like who the taste engineer guy was, but I swear it was just like they took the leftover seasonings and dumped them in a bag. Like this is what this chip is. So like if you like barbecue, like this is your chip. If you like sour cream and onion, this is your chip. If you like ranch, like it's all these flavors in one. And I was I was eating these chips because I was in Canada and I was getting ready to talk about family and I had this epiphany. I was like, this chip is like my family. And not because it was like one of those like weird things that was like kind of burnt and like looked like my family if I squinted. It was like this family because I realized that this chip, like it's like it's like an explosion in my mouth and I started wondering like what would happen if you took out one of these flavors because I've never had something that has all these different things and this chip like it just had all these different things. Barbecue, ketchup, sour cream, vinegar. And here's the thing is our family is, is a little bit like that. Like our families can be a hot mess of just this collided different flavors and experiences. And I know that it's kind of weird to talk about family because we're all come from different places. But, but I think about these chips and, and if you take one of these flavors away, it's not all dressed anymore. It's like half naked and that's weird. Like it's just, I'm sorry, that's a weird joke. Was that a little <laughs> distasteful? Um, so, see what I did there? All right, so thank you. I'm a dad. Okay. So as we talk about families, like I just want you to know that I understand that we're all coming from different experiences, right? Like we, we all have different backgrounds, different relationships, and, and so I want to be sensitive as we dive into this topic because this topic, it, it's different for each of us, but it's also so relatable. And so let me just actually start by talking about families by introducing you to my family. Okay, so this is, this is my family, and let me just, thank you so much. Okay, so... Let me introduce you to my family. Let me introduce you, okay? So, okay, so, so the cute one there in the middle, um, the cute one in the middle, um, that's me. And, uh, okay, so, so that's me. That's my wife, Karen. We've been married for almost nine years, and I'm holding my, my daughter, Josephine. She's two now. Um, and that's my daughter, Adeline, who looks like she's looked, looking at a ghost. And uh, actually, my wife um, is pregnant, and so this is, this is my son, um, Jude. Um, now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's super easy to get up here as a speaker and show you like a, a really well-edited video or picture of our families and be like, look at this. This is so cute. And you guys all go, ah. Uh. But really, like my family is a hot mess. Like we put the fun in dysfunctional. Can we put my family back up? Because here's the thing. So the other day I, I called my, my family. I was out of town and Adeline, my six-year-old, answered the phone. And she's like, daddy, daddy, guess what? And I was thinking she was going to be like, like, I miss you. I love you. I like, can't wait for you to come home. This is what she said to me. Daddy, guess what? I peed outside. <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, I don't know how to respond to that. And I was like, okay, is that okay? I was like, so I was like, hey, did, did you tell mom? And she's like, she told me I could do it. And I was like, so I don't know what's going on with you. Like, Josephine right there, you see that she's like almost more round than tall. Like, she is, she has been in the, like, the top Sorry, not the top two, the bottom two percentile in height her whole life. She's just trying to get by as this middle child. And we've always said, like, she's our big girl. She's our big girl. But the problem is, is now she thinks her name is girl. 
And so she only refers to herself as girl. So like she walks around and be like, I'm a hungry girl. And like, I'm a big. And so like, I don't know how you legally change the name of a two-year-old, but we're working on that. And then my son, Jude, which uh, if we can go back to that picture, like he, he's crazy. Like boys are, are, are just nuts. And he's in this stage right now where he just, he's grabbing everything, especially if it's like squishy and it's discreted from the body. So like he, he grabs things. And this, I know that's kind of weird, but the other day, this is a true story. Um, He's one, so he's in diapers still, and parents have this really cool move. I used to think it was really weird and gross, but it's really helpful, is that parents, like, they can just, like, kind of hold the kid and, like, kind of peek through the diaper, you know, and so, like, see if they need to be changed, and uh, my son needed to be changed, right? And so, like, he needed to be changed. He takes after his wife, or, sorry, my wife, and um, <laughs> so, so I, I see that he, he's got some stuff going on, and so... So I, uh, I go upstairs, I grab a diaper, I grab all this stuff, I come down to change him, I start to change him, there's nothing there. He's a magician, and I still don't know how or where or what's going on with him, but our whole family, it, it's, it's crazy sometimes. I mean, like, there might be human excrement hiding under my couch at home, and I have no idea. Our, our house is a mess. My, my, my family's crazy. Life is crazy. But, but here, here's the thing, is that my heart longs for family, and your heart longs for family. And we know this to be true because family is, is everywhere, right? Like, like we have been brought into this world through family, and we'll get into what that experience could have been like or what it should be like. But, but there's even this longing for it in, in society and in our sports teams, that's why, like, I don't know how many of you guys are, like, in, like, a, a football team or a club at school, and you guys have, like, some kind of, like, phrase or, or model that talks about you guys being a family or your best friend. You might say, like, sup, fam? Like, wh- like, why is it that we have this natural inclination towards family, right? And we look at our family, and, and we're just thinking to ourselves, like, okay, is, is this... Is this how it's supposed to be? Like, like, is this as good as it gets? Could it be better? Is this what God intended? And then not only are we looking at our family, but like the media and, and social media, like everyone has pictures of their family. And sometimes like I get caught up when I'm watching television and seeing other families as Hollywood is like showing me what the family's supposed to look like. Like, I don't know how many of you guys watched This Is Us, but, but here, let me show you. Okay, let me show you this clip real quick of, uh, from, from, from This Is Us, okay? You adopted him. We don't talk about that enough. Because to me, you are every part my son. Maybe I, I don't want you to feel like you stand out. But I need you to know something. I want you to stand out. I want all of you to be as different as you can possibly be in all the best ways. How do I compete with that? Right? Like, I mean, I don't know if, like, so, like, I, I had to stop watching. My, like, my wife loves this show. Like, I don't watch it with her anymore because, and I just know she's watching because she looks like she's been crying for hours. Like, that's, she still watches this. I had to stop watching because I would compare myself to Jack. Like, I started asking myself, like, WWJD. Like, what would Jack do? And I, I, I try to be, like, a good dad, but I don't know how to compete with this. Like, I, I don't have, like, this, like, instrumental orchestra, a little acoustic guitar player following me around, like, playing this background music. Like, I don't know how to do that. Like, what am I supposed to do with my six-year-old? Like, when I need a discipline, or do I pull out my phone, play Spotify like Adele? Like, hold up, it's going to crescendo, then it's going to be really mo- Like, I can't compete with the way that Hollywood sometimes can, like, can portray the family. So then sometimes I, I watch other shows to make me feel better about, like, my family, because then we, like, sometimes make fun of families in the editing in Hollywood. And, and here, here's another show that shows family. Kylie Jenner to the foyer. Kylie Jenner to the foyer. I have a little surprise for you. So much kidding me. So if if you haven't seen that clip and essentially one of the Kardashians thinks that's a chicken, and that just makes me feel good about myself. But, but here's the thing, 
is that we have all these images, all these ideas of what the family is supposed to be like. And again, I don't know what your family situation is like, but, but here's a truth that I want you to take away today. Is that your family should be one of the most important things in your life. That your family should be one of the most important things in your life. And, and that's true. And my guess is, is that when I say that, that there's an automatic response that happens within your heart if you're paying attention. That there's an automatic response. If I say, hey, your family's important. You, you need to love your family. That some of you guys are like, yes, absolutely. And some of you guys are like, no, not me, not in my situation. Some of you guys have never really thought about your role in family and how you're supposed to be loving and how you're supposed to be responding to your parents or siblings or whatever. And so you're just like, meh, I don't know. But, but here's the thing about that answer. Whatever it is going on in your heart, like how important is family to you, is that if you said yes, that's not necessarily indicative to, to your family experience. Like you may know that family is important because you have been blessed with a great family situation, that you go home and you know that that's a place where you belong and you feel safe and you have a mom and a dad or grandma and grandpa, aunt, uncle, brothers and sisters who love you, who take care of you, and that's amazing. Like praise God for that. And some of you guys are like, yes, family is so important. But yet, for whatever reason, reasons I can't understand, that maybe you haven't had the greatest family experience. That, that maybe your dad is emotionally unavailable or, or maybe there's a brokenness or addiction. And you, you see that this is not what it's supposed to be, but you have that felt desire for something more. And so you say like, I never want to have this. I, I want family to be more important when I have a spouse, when I have kids. Like, I won't be like my mom and dad. Like, I, I'm going to bring something new to the table. And if that's you, if that's your resolve, like, that's amazing. To, to give what you haven't had, like, there, there is something beautiful and virtuous in that desire. Or maybe your answer is no, that family is not that important, but yet you have a great family situation. But yet you don't see them as all that great because you just kind of take it for granted. When I was in high school, uh, my friends and I, we used to love going over to my friend Brad's house. We loved Brad but we loved his mom even more. So we would go over to Brad's house. I know, she was incredible because here's why. Brad's mom had like some kind of superpower. It didn't matter if it was like, like after school one day or like a Sunday afternoon. When we would go over, no matter when it was, like it was, she was ready for us with like this gourmet bakery just to unfold at our every beck and call. She would have like fresh cookies and cupcakes and she would always, always have fresh made popcorn. Not like the microwave crap, like the real stuff where she's like oil and like a little bit of salt, a little bit of butter. It was phenomenal. And we used to be like, Brad, like this is incredible. Don't you want some more food? Come get some food. He's like, nah, I don't care. I was like, your mom's incredible. He's like, yeah. Like she's always doing this. I was like, I wish my mom could cook. She can't even make a bowl of cereal. Like this is incredible. <laughs> but yet he didn't understand how good it was. Or again, Maybe you haven't had that great family situation. And it's for some reason that's way out of your control that there's been divorce or addiction. Something that's taking your, your family down a path that, that no one knew, no one intended, and yet you just have to experience it. And, and that's so hard. And sometimes if that's us, and, and even if we have a good family and we're just going through a hard time, like we can go into this idea, into this mindset thing, like, man, like my, my family's the only family that's... that's messed up. But the truth is, is, is that's the exact opposite of what's true. Because if you get into scripture, it's like all of the families that the gospel writers, that the, 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 the scripture writers decided to highlight, like they're, they're kind of messed up. Like even from the very beginning, like Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, their kids, like if, if you think you fight with your siblings, Cain and Abel, like they, they killed each other. Well, you know, Cain killed Abel. Or like you go a little further into scripture and there's this guy, Jacob, and he goes to marry this girl, Rachel, and he like works seven years to earn the right to marry Rachel and then he's tricked on his wedding night and he marries his sister. That's weird. Sibling rivalry much? Like I don't know how that happens. Right? And then he has to work another seven years to marry Rachel. Or, or how about King David, a man after God's own heart? Right? Like and he has this beautiful Queen Bathsheba, but... But he didn't, like, meet her, like, on some, like, dating app or something like most people do today. Like, he just was watching her bathe like a normal king. Like, what the? And then he had, like, an affair with her and decided to kill her husband. 
Like, even the Holy Family. Like, Jesus and Mary and Joseph, like, they didn't have it perfect. Like, Jesus was born into poverty. Born in a barn. Exiled to another land. He had to move around a lot. Can, can you imagine being Jesus? Yeah, he's perfect, but, but he's being raised in Egypt, and then he has to leave his friends, and he has to go to this new place, and then he gets a little older, and, and Joseph, his dad, he, he dies at a relatively young age. Like, we, we don't know exactly when, but we know by the time Jesus starts his public ministry, Joseph has passed away. So even the Holy Family, even Jesus didn't have it perfect in that way. And for me, with my wife and my kids, like that gives me a lot of comfort, knowing that Jesus, my, my creator, the God of the universe, he can understand everything I'm going through because he went through a lot of it himself in his family. And some of you, when you talk about just how important family is, you've just never given it a thought. You're like, I, I, I'm 16. I'm 17. What should I think? And, and here's what I invite you into right now, is that no matter what your answer is, no matter what your reaction is, that today, right now, every one of us in this arena, we have the opportunity to reclaim and recommit our role within the family. And if we do this right now today, the impact you have on your family can be greater than you could ever imagine. If we reclaim and recommit to our families, the impact that we can have on our families is going to be greater than you can even imagine. And, and here's how I know that's true. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus, he's, he's in, this, in this house, and he's a big deal by this time, and so everyone is crowded around, and everyone wants to see him talk, everyone wants to see hear him and see a miracle, and all of a sudden, Mary and some of his family, they're outside, and word gets into the house that, hey, Jesus, like, like your mom's outside, your family's outside, and, and this is how Jesus responds. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 12, he says this, and stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers, for, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And, and I was praying with this scripture because this is, this is a time where Jesus is talking about like his family. Like th this is his family. Who is Jesus' family? He says right here, stretched out his hands, whoever does the will of my father. Like that's my brother, that, that's my sister, that's my mother. And there's something beautiful to that. And, and here's the thing. When we read scripture, we have to understand that every word has been inspired by the Holy Spirit. That every word is intentional. And so I, as I was praying with this scripture, preparing for this talk, like I, I noticed a detail and I, I just sat there with this detail. And this idea that, that Jesus, before he says anything, is that Matthew realizes and points out that Jesus stretches his hand. You know, he, he could have just said, like, the holy ones are my family, the smartest ones. But the first thing he does is, is he stretch out his hand. And I was asking myself, and I was asking the Lord, like, like why, why do you stretch out your hands right there? Like, what's, what's the point of that? Like, why is that detail in Scripture? And, and I had to think about my own self and my own life. Like, what do I do, like, as a father? Like, when do I stretch out my hands? It's like when I come home and my kids run to me and I stretch out my hands. Why? To shove them out of the way so I can get to the fridge. Like, no! <laughs> Absolutely not! Like, Jesus, he, he stretches out his hands as a sign of welcoming, as a sign of invitation to bring in his followers, his disciples, into relationship with him into his family. And in a few more chapters in the Gospel of Matthew, you see Jesus stretch out his hands again to prove his love for you and I on the cross. Like this is not a small detail. That, that he invites us into something bigger. That the reason that you and I can have a bigger impact on our family is because our family is bigger than we can imagine. 
that we are invited into something new, that the grace of the Father in heaven can come into our hearts and we can bless our father and our mother and our brother and our sister because we have been invited to be his sons and daughters. And that's an amazing thing. Our impact can be greater on our family because our family is greater. Because God is our father. That he doesn't just want to be friend. He wants to be father. Think about that. That he wants to give you life. He wants to give you his heart. He wants to give you his grace. He wants to give you everything. Why? Because his hands are open wide to receive us, to invite us, to love us. Like that, that's incredible. Like that, that's what we're called to, that's what we're invited to. To be a part of a, a family that, that's amazing, that, that's, that's life-giving, that's, that's ever-changing, and yet present right now for you and I. But some of you might be paying attention to this verse, and you're like, well, well, hold up. There's some fine print in there, Nick. You, you, didn't, you didn't point this out because I'm excluded from the family because did you see this part? Jesus actually says, whoever does the will of the Father, and I haven't done the will of the Father. Like, I've made some mistakes. Like, I don't treat my mom and dad with respect. Like, I'm in a relationship right now, and I know we're doing stuff we shouldn't be doing, or I have this addiction, and I don't know how to deal with it. Like, I'm not a part of the family. Like, once I, once I get rid of that stuff, then maybe? No. Matthew, the Holy Spirit, he points out first and foremost... Jesus stretches out his hands as an invitation. Like, I loved what Lisa was saying last night with uh, the call of Matthew. I'm going to bring up this, this picture again. I love this because this shows you, no matter where you are, what your family situation is, or what you believe, that God is willing to come to you right now, right here. That, that his love is, is not dependent on your love. That he loves you just as you are. And there's something about this picture that, that I love, and I want you guys to pay attention real quick is that if you look at Jesus, he comes into Matthew's darkness, but if you look at his feet, his feet are pointed away, saying, I love you where you are, but I love you too much to let you remain there. So come and follow me. And that's what the invitation is here. To be a part of his family, he's coming to you. He's inviting you. And when you're ready, yes, he's going to invite you into a new way of life. And that might mean a new way to approach your family, a new way to approach your relationships, a new way to approach your prayer or your church or whatever it is. But he meets you first where you're at. Do you understand? Do you you realize that Jesus walked the earth 30 years before he started telling people how they should live? Like, it wasn't until he was 30 that, that he started this public ministry and proclaiming the gospel, but for 30 years, he was just with us. He was patient with us. He loved us. And so no matter where you are or what you believe, you belong because you're a part of the family of God. And once we understand that, all of a sudden, We don't have to just love with our heart because we can love with his heart. We just don't have to live our life because his life has been poured out for us. We can live a new life. We can have a grace that can transform not only us, but our parents, our siblings, and and our friends. And we're all invited into this family. So do me a favor. Look to the person next to you and say, you're my fam. Look to the person on the other side. You're my fan. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Eyes up here. Eyes up here. Hold up. Hold up. All of us. Listen. All of us are part of this family. 
and all of us have the responsibility to share the love of this family with those who are not here to hear this message. That all of us are called to bring this love of the family, of, of the greater family, the family kingdom of heaven, the family of God, the Father, back into our homes. Because it is that family that's going to transform our families. Amen? Okay, so I, I want to give you some things right now. If you want to make an impact on your family FAST, I want to give you a few things that you can do. And, and I'm Catholic, so I like acronyms. And so FAST is going to be an acronym. So he, here's the first thing. If you want to get practical on how to impact your family, here's how you can do it FAST. First, forgive. Forgiveness is, is really tough. I, I get that. And I'm not saying forgive and forget. I'm not saying that at all. I know some of us have hard situations that, that is maybe even dangerous for us to be a part of. And we don't need to go blindly back into a situation where we're going to get hurt. But holding unforgiveness in front of someone that we are called to love will stop love. Right? I've heard that like holding a grudge against someone is drinking poison and hoping they get hurt. If we want to be a vessel of love, we need to learn how to forgive. And I'm sure if you're like me that this is really hard, but it's so important. If you don't know how to do this, if you're just like, I don't, I'm not ready to do this, I want to invite you to do this, is to write a letter. Even if you never give it to the person, but to start to feel the emotions, to bring it out, to process, and to slowly allow God to unravel whatever has been broken or crumpled up in your heart. Because unforgiveness will hold us down and hold us back until we can allow God's love to move through us and in us. Okay, next one. A, affirmation. Okay, we take love for granted a lot, but our, but our words have power. And I know that most of you, all of you in this room, you, you probably love your parents, but I want to challenge you. When was the last time that you actually told them? When was the last time you told your dad you loved them? When was the last time you, you thanked them for the gas money, for paying the insurance in your car, whatever it is? So here's my challenge. Is before the end of the day, pull out your phones if you have your phone. Just text your parents. Say, hey, thanks for sending me this conference. Hey, I love you. Thanks for everything you do for me. Thanks for the sacrifice. Thanks for changing those million diapers that I soiled when I was a kid. Thank you. I love you. Like our words have power and something happens, guys. This is what's amazing. When we actually take time to be intentional with our words and with our love, like our words have power. And when we take what is in our hearts, maybe even it's down deep, and we bring it to our lips, it becomes a little bit more real. And it's easier to live and to act on. And so don't wait any longer. Affirm your family. Tell them how you feel. Tell them what's good. Tell them what's beautiful. Next, serve. I remember when I was in high school, uh, I, I would go to these conferences just like you, a conference just like this. And I would go home and I'd be like, yay, Jesus. And for like a week or so, I'd be better. And slowly I started to fall back into my old habits, into my old way of thinking, into my old whatever. And, and things would just be blah again. Nothing changed. My family didn't change. And I actually remember, uh, it was my, after my third Stumbo conference, I was home, I was in my kitchen, I was just, I don't know what I was doing, but, but I saw my mom like at the counter, and she was struggling with a jar of pickles. And I don't know, it's the Holy Spirit or something. Like I just walked over and I was like, here, let me get that for you. And I got it because I'm strong, right? So I, <laughs> and my mom, I walked back over to whatever I was doing and I look back and my mom's crying. And I'm just like, what is your problem? Like, is this P like PMS, like hormone? Like what's going on? Like, and I just like didn't. And, and what she said, I don't know, like I was a teenage boy, like, I, and so, so here's the deal, is, is she, she said, wow, this conference changed you, and I was like, it's just pickles. <laughs> like it wasn't a big deal, but the thing was, is that she saw me go out of my way to serve her, to help her, and that little act of kindness opened up her heart to realize that God was moving in my heart. The last one is time. Make time for your family. The, the guys, this, this is so important because life is busy and we're getting pulled in a million different directions. And if you don't set your calendar, someone else is going to do it for you. But if family is going to be really one of the most important things in our life, we need to show our family that by setting time aside. I actually just uh, saw this new statistic, and I'm sure it's not you guys, but, but kids today, kids today, 
by the time they turn six, will spend more time in front of a screen than they'll spend talking to their fathers their entire life. We need to make time to invest in our families. And guys, guess what? I slipped in the fifth one here because fasting to fast is a form of prayer. So not only can you forgive, not only can you affirm, not only can you serve, not only can you spend your time, but fifthly, finally, pray. Pray for your family. Like I said, I don't know what your family situation is like, but, but if it's just so difficult, if you are on the outside looking in, if you just don't have anything else to do, if you're like, I can't forgive, I can't affirm, you don't know me, you're right. I don't know the situation you're in. But I know that there's nothing that's stopping you from praying for your family. And I know that if we can do this, if we can learn to fast for our family, the impact we can have on our family is going to be greater than we could ever imagine. And I'm not a, I'm not a perfect dad. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a perfect husband. Like I said, my, my family's a hot mess. My wife is actually pregnant with our fourth kid due in a few months, and I'm, like, we're struggling here to, to figure this out. Thank you so much. Like, there's a lot of stress. There's, there's a lot of stress. There, there's a lot of pressure on our family right now. And, and to be honest, like, sometimes my wife and I, at the end of the day, like, we're, like, we're not fighting, but we're just talking really loud at each other. You know how that goes. And we just, we're trying so hard, trying so hard to do this right but we're not perfect. But the times that, that we do get it right, the times that we're able to set time aside and, and spend time together, the times that we can pray as a family, like they make an impact, but I can't take credit for this. See, because I, I've learned some of this through my parents and through my family growing up, and, and maybe you can relate. Maybe you can now actually just look back to, to your dad and to your mom and and think like, man, like th th they were incredible. They're incredible. Like th this is, so this is my family when I was a kid. And that's my, my, my dad, my mom, my sister. And, and I'm, a, I'm a twin. And I don't know which is which. Um, <laughs> I, I honestly have no idea. I can't tell who I am and who my brother is before like the age of 12 in pictures. Actually, my, one of my biggest fears is that I'm my brother and my brother is me because they at just some point were like, I don't know, you're Nick. Like I... Like, so I don't know, but, but my dad, like, he, he's the one who taught me to serve. Like, he, he's the one who, who passed on this idea of, of spending time as a family. And, and my dad was a great dad, but my, but my dad also had a great dad. And this is his family when he was a kid, and, and that's his dad, James, my grandpa, who, who I never had a get chance to meet. But I hear stories about him and their family growing up. I'm like, wow, like, that, that's incredible. Like, the things that you're able to do as a family, and I want that. And, and maybe you can start to trace back these virtues and these graces that are being passed down to make you who you are called to be. But if you can't, that's okay. Because we're recommitting to our family right now. So maybe we're not looking three generations in the past, but we're starting to look three generations in the future. And the more that you fast, the more that you pray, the more that you serve, the more that you love, like they're, they're going to start to form these virtues in you that are going to form your kids. And they're going to pass on to their kids and their kids. And all of a sudden, your family, for generations to generations, will be blessed by the decisions you make today. You see, when we choose have an impact on our family. When we choose to have an impact on our family, we have no idea how far that ripple will go. Because the impact on your family is bigger than you can imagine because your family is bigger than you can imagine. And so what we want to do right now as we end this time is we want to take time to pray for our families, to, to intercede. We, we're praying a lot this weekend, and, and we were blessed to pray with you this morning to pray that the Holy Spirit would come down upon you. But, but as a conference, as a group, we're going to start praying for our families back home right now. And so what I'm going to do is, is I'm just going to name members of our families, mom, dad, brother, sister, extended family. And if there is some intention in your heart, if there is something going on, in your family that you want to heal 
You want God to heal a relationship? You want God to bless this person or help them through this situation? I'm going to ask you to stand in their place. That the grace of heaven would come down because of your prayers on your family who's not here right now. You don't have to stand for everyone. But when I say mom or dad or brother, if if there's someone in your life who's in that category who you want to pray for, let's intercede for them. So let's start by praying for our fathers. So if you want to pray for your dad, go ahead and stand up. So let's just intercede for them in the the silence of our hearts, but I'll just pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of fatherhood, that you have modeled that perfectly, that you invite us to be your children. And I just ask that your grace would come down into our homes, into the lives and hearts of our dads, that they would have your strength, that you would mend any brokenness, and that you would allow them to see your love, that they would experience and feel you and come to know you in a new way. Lord, help your love be seen through our fathers. All right, let's pray for our mom. So if you want to stand for your mom, if you want to sit, I'm going to do. Father, I thank you for our moms. I thank you for the way that they have loved us, the way they have sacrificed for us. I just pray that that you would bless them for all the ways that they have sacrificed, that they have loved us, the ways that they have driven us to our, our practices and cared for us and fed us. Lord, teach us to love like them. I just ask that you would bless them abundantly so they would come to know you more and that we would be able to respond to them in a new way as we go home from here. Amen. If you want to pray for a brother, stay standing. Heavenly Father, I pray for the men in our lives, for our brothers. I ask that you would reveal yourself in a real way, in an intimate way. That you would watch over and protect them, especially their purity and their vocations that they would have the grace to be able to lean into you and respond to you. Give them the strength to guard and protect those in their lives who they need to and help us love them and affirm your call in their lives. We ask all this in your name. Amen. If you want to pray for your sister, stand up. Lord, I I pray that you would just speak truth into the hearts of the young women in our lives for all the sisters out there. Lord, that you would just watch over them, that you would teach them to know their value and their worth, that you would speak truth about how lovable they are. Lord, help them to receive your love and to know your love and to love like you, that you would watch over and protect them, especially their purity and their vocation. Allow them to share in your love and share that with the world. Let's call this in your name. Amen. Last one, if you just have any extended family, a grandparent, aunt, uncle, cousin, anyone I didn't mention. Lord, I thank you again for the gift of family. For all those who, who love us, who care for us, who speak truth into our lives, I just ask that you would bless them that you would bless their health, that you would bless their families, that you would draw them close to you, and that you would draw our families close to each other, that we would know your love and your goodness through the love of our family. So, Lord, mend what is broken, heal what is wounded. Lord, we ask for your freedom and for your healing touch in every member of our family. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit.
I want to see the best for you, even if it causes me a little bit of strife. Why? Because I love you. And we're in a faith where love is key, and we're called to love one another. Amen? So what I want to do with the last couple of minutes that we have together is I want to put this friendship into practice. And I want to pray with you guys. And I want to give you the uh, opportunity to be brothers for one another. So listen up. Did you all have lunch? You all ate? Yeah, you a little bit tired? A little bit fatigued? Yeah, a little, yeah. Suck it up. Let's pray. Sit up straight. No, no, you sit, sit, no, sit up. You not, not stand up. So what I want, I want to pray with you. And I want you to stay with me. Does everyone remember the five things about friendship? You'll remember those five things. The last thing, the fact that it's rooted in love gives us a selflessness when we approach the other person. Where, you know, I may be tired, but I know you need me, so I'm going to give what I got even though I don't feel like I have a lot right now. You know, the love that we share as brothers, you know, I, I look at um, Navy SEAL movies. When we look at Navy SEAL movies, when they refer to one another, what do they refer to the other person as? They're what? They're their brother, right? Brother is a foundational relationship. And when they refer to each other as brothers, they don't refer to each other as, as brothers in a flippant sort of way. Like, this is my bro right now. And, you know, it's not a When they refer to each other as brothers, they mean that I will lay down my life for this person. If this person is hurting, I will lay down my life for this person in order for him to survive. Now, that, you know, being a Navy SEAL, that may not be rooted in Christ, but I think they got Jesus at the center of that relationship. The understanding of what love costs. Selflessness. Me being willing to give to the other. That's why I said a second ago, if you're tired, sit up. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't for me. It's because one is for you. But the second thing, there's a brother next to you that needs you to give your best. Everything that we were talking about, intimacy, enduring, challenging, selfish, rooted in Christ, it's about giving your all to the person next to you. Amen? Like that's, the, 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 that's the tell of the cross, amen? The tell of the cross is that Jesus, when you wear a crucifix, is not just a, a, a sign of, it's not just, you know, a sign that you're Christian. It is that, but it's also a sign of what love costs. Amen? amen. It, love costs us no less than everything. God loved us so much that he stretched out his hands and he died for us. That's what love costs, and that's the love that you share with the brothers next to you, or the love that you're called to share if you call yourself brothers. I want to give you the opportunity to be brothers to each other right now. And it may be for the first time ever. Because you all know how we do. You know how we do. We get together and, and we're like, yo, we talk about stuff that don't even matter. You know, this girl right there, she's cute, she's cute. But, but, I, but I don't take into account that, you know, his family's going through a divorce. And, 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 but I'm talking about this girl. And he's not going to tell me because he's just my bro and he doesn't want to take me to that, that, that situation, right? You know how we do, right? We talk, yeah, yeah, yeah. You see that, that the, the game the other day, was, it was dope. You know, you see how he shot that shot? And, and I don't take into account that, you know what, like your grandmother just died. But I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say anything to you. You're not going to tell me because we just don't do that. But we call ourselves brothers, and we don't understand what the heck a brother means because we're not sharing from our hearts. We're sharing from our mask. Amen? Amen. And we say that we love each other, but in reality, we have no clue what love means because we're not willing to give our hearts to the person that we say we're in relationship with. We want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. There's a guy, a kid I used to um, teach, and this kid's name, his name was Mike too. I guess I got a lot of crazy mics in my life. This kid, he was, um, when I was a teacher, he was one of those kids that was always a problem but never absent. He was always there. And he was into like, and my brother right here, he's like, I know exactly. My, my brother right here is like, my brother, he's like, yeah. You know exactly what I'm talking about. He was into like the non-Christian goth culture, right? There's Christian goth and there's not, he was into that. And um, I got him to go on a retreat. And when I was on the retreat, I was like encouraging like the, the, the teens, right? Telling them the gifts that they had. And uh, I was looking at Mike and Mike was like, just had this scowl on his face. Like, I don't want nothing to do with this retreat or you. I'm only here for the extra credit. So I was encouraging these people, trying to be a good brother to them. And you know, I would like to say that I was a brother to Mike, but I would look at Mike and I would say this. 
I would look at him and I would want to say something to him. No, no, I'm just, you're just, I mean, you're just there. So I'm just looking at you like you're playing the role of Mike. I mean, you can handle it. I would look at him and something inside of me would say, say something to him. But my ego's like, I ain't saying nothing there. Because Mike at that moment was like the black hole. Light went in, but light didn't come out. And if you got too close, you feel you might die. So I just stayed away from Mike. And I would encourage all these other people. And then finally the Lord said, you got to encourage Mike. So I went up to Mike and I said, Mike, you know what? You have gifts. I was telling him gift after gift that I saw in him because he was a problem, but he was also amazing. And he said, he, wrote, he raised his hand, and this never happens. This has never happened to me. He raised his hand, and um, he said, Mr. Greenfield, stop. I go, what? what do you mean stop? He said, don't say that because I don't love God. I hate God, Mr. Greenfield. I was like, Mike, why do you hate God? He said, you know what, Mr. Greenfield? I went to youth group. I went to all of these things that you're talking about, and they told me if I love other people, then I'm going to be okay. Then my family's going to be okay. Then I'm not going to get ridiculed. But then, you know, and I took that message back to my school, and I tried to love other people. And when I tried to love other people, they took my compassion, my love for weakness, and they bullied me, and they put me down. So I began to, so Mike began to believe that if loving God makes him weak, then hating God, turning away from God is going to make him strong. So that's what he began to do. I didn't know what to do. I had no clue. Usually I can preach through a storm. I'll just keep going. But Mike just, you know, he kind of just hit the pause in me. Um, then I looked to a friend of his, and I was like, hey, what's your name? Francisco. Francisco. Are you a friend of Francisco's? Yeah. yeah. Give me a gift that Francisco has. Very kind to everybody. Have, have people told you that before? Yeah, but it's good to hear that, right, Francisco? Like, what's your name? Ethan? Ethan? Are you a friend of Ethan's? Yeah, give me a gift that Ethan has. He's funny. Ethan, you know that already. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> There's a brother. What's your name? Will. Will, let me tell you this. I'm a teacher, so I see everything, Will. Will's like, those are for a Give me a gift that Will has. Yeah. He's pretty funny, too. That's very, that's typical guy. He's just funny, you know. But I started going to Mike's friends, and Mike was, and his friends were, I was like, tell them a gift that Mike has. And they would tell him one gift. And then another friend would stand up and tell him another gift. And another friend would stand up and tell him another gift. And then you begin to see this, like, hard exterior begin to melt. And then his brother stood up. His brother stood up, and I was just sitting back. I was like, oh, my gosh, what's, what's going to happen here? His brother gets in his face and says this. Mike, you've always been a good brother. And you begin to see that lip quiver. Yeah, I mean, you know what's coming. That lip's quivering, and he's like, our family's going through a divorce right now, and I know you blame yourself, but you've always protected me from the pain. You've always protected me from the arguments. You've been a good brother. And when his brother says that to him, something ignited in Mike, and the floodgates opened. First time I've ever seen someone change their heart, and then he starts crying. And then like wildfire, every, there's about 80 teenagers in the room, everyone starts bawling, crying. And then they start hugging each other, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened here? Mike is crying and profusely, like that, that pent-up cry, you know, that, that, that little stank face, lick the lemon, <laughs> that type of cry. He was going at it. And, it. and it happened when his brother said something to him. When his brother gave him that love, when his brother shared his heart, when his brother spoke truth to him, when his brother was not afraid to share his heart with the person that he loved. Amen. The key to brothers, and I'm going to do that with one another. So what I'm going to ask you to do is put your arm around the brother next to you. And I know some of us as men, we're like, I don't like to do that. It doesn't matter. Shh. Listen, listen. This is not a, a heavy discussion sort of activity. It's a prayer activity. Amen. So focus on Jesus. If you can't, if you're struggling with that, focus on the brother next to you. And what I want you to do is this. Just close your eyes for a second. I want you to think about what God is doing in this moment. If your eyes are open, it's about you. It's not about God. Close your eyes. Think about what God is doing in this moment. Now, you have a brother on your right. I want you to pray for him right now. Whatever he's going through, maybe, maybe you don't know it perfectly, but you know what you go through. 
Maybe you do know what he's going through. Maybe there's a brother who's, who's armed, who's around you right now, and maybe he's coming from a broken family. Maybe he blames himself. Maybe he's brokenhearted, and you know that. And maybe he needs a brother, and maybe you're the only person around him that's taking the place of the people that should love him. Put your armor and pray for him. Pray that he knows that he's not alone. Pray that he knows that he's loved. Pray for your brother. This is a moment between you and God and your brother. Don't get distracted. Don't go back to whatever the lies the enemy's trying to tell you. Pray for your brother right now. Now, after you pray for your brother on your right, pray for your brother on your left. If there's no one on your left, that is okay. Just receive the prayer. Pray for your brother on your left. And maybe your prayer is this, I give him over to you, God. I give you my brother. Let him know that he matters. Let him know that you see him. Pray for your brother. Now lastly, hold each other a little bit tighter. A little bit tighter. Understand this. Look up for a second. Look up. Keep, keep holding each other. Understand this. There are times where it's hard to live your faith. There are times where Jesus seems so far from you. But understand this, in those moments when you're tempted to give up, when you can't see Jesus, understand this, that he's in that brother whose arm is around you right now. And as strong as that brother's arm is around you, that's Christ telling you, I'm not going to give up on you. I'm proud of you. I love you. You're not alone. Amen? You're not alone. Now, our job is this, to tell that to a world that has given up and doesn't believe it. That's your mandate, that's your challenge. But you're strong enough to do it because you go out there and you don't go out there alone. You got brothers who support you and a God who loves you recklessly. Amen? Amen. Do me a favor, turn to one brother. One brother, we got to do this quietly and quickly because the, the young ladies are ready to come back in. Tell one of your brothers one gift that you've seen in him. Go right now, tell him one gift that you've seen in him. 